there such a thing as little sins and big sins? Hey, and how's it going? Welcome to the Gen Z Christian Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Paul of NCBC in Mountain View, California. I hope this podcast is a blessing to you today. Enjoy. Boom. That's the title for today's uh, podcast episode, Are All Sins Equal? And this kind of came out of a conversation actually I was having with the teachers on Saturday because uh, some of them, well, we were talking about a certain issue. And as we were talking about that issue, a couple of them brought up uh, this question. One actually asked the question to the whole group. Like, I mean, I think the teacher knew the answer, but they they wanted to see like, you know, what do we think and what do I think? And so I shared my answer at that time. And... Um, Another teacher shared how certain students had asked this question um, in class or made some remarks about maybe their view on this topic, okay? And so it's a it's an important topic, and it's one that I want to address as best as I can. Always remember, I think this probably goes without saying, you know, I'm not God, and I'm not Jesus, uh, nor am I even on the earthly sense or earthly plane I'm not even like, you know, the the best Bible teacher out there. You know, I'm, I'm far from. Like there are, are people who know the Bible much better than I do. Uh, people who have studied it a lot longer than I have. People who can engage with the Bible a lot better than I, I can. Or maybe even, um, you know, better than I ever will. Like, of course, I'm going to be studying the Bible the rest of my life. And I hope to get better and better uh, as I go. But yeah, I just say that just because... Um, as your youth pastor, I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm telling you I'm the final authority on this, um, but I'm, I'm always doing my best to give you the scripture itself so you can take a look at the scripture. And uh, if you don't have the tools and the ability right now to figure it out, uh, one day you will. And you're going to remember, oh yeah, Pastor Paul said this. Let me look up that passage that he talked about. And actually, I'm not sure if he was right about that. Um, and this is why, as you look at the passage, you're able to study it yourself. Uh, you know, that, that may happen. And maybe one day you're going to come to me like, hey, Pastor Paul, uh, you know, you, you said this one thing this one time and I wrote it down or you, I, I have this video evidence. <laughs> That's the bad thing about online stuff is now there's video evidence uh, of everything, which is good and bad. Like, I think it's accountability for pastors and speakers. Like, you know, uh, what you say, it's out there now. Uh, the bad of it is, um, yeah, now it's out there. So uh, people can at any time uh, take a clip of what you've said and share that or use it, however. And so anyway, all that to say, I'm, I'm just doing my best here with any, any topic uh, I have. I'm going to give you the best answer I can give you as of today and what I see as the, the most biblical answer to the question. Okay. So the answer to the question, and now we can just all go, go home, or you guys are already home. Uh, the short answer is no, okay? The short answer is no to the question, are all sins equal? I want to give you two ways that sins are equal, okay? So two ways that sins are equal, and then I want to give you some examples uh, where sins are not equal, okay? So the first one is going to be all sins are equal in penalty, all sins are equal in penalty. Let's look at a couple of verses here. So let's go first to Romans 
Okay. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so for the wages of sin is death. I would say uh, if I could reword this a little bit or rephrase it just a bit more or kind of extrapolate here basically, take Paul's, what Paul is saying and go to the extreme with it. I think he would say for the wages of all sin and every sin is death. In other words, there is no amount of sin that you could commit that would not equal death. Okay, so for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, the next verse I want to show you is Romans 3.23. that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so everyone has sinned and everyone falls short of the glory of God. There is no person other than Jesus Christ himself uh, who has lived a sinless life. Uh, I could add more into this. Like we could make this really much more lengthy and, and have a longer discussion about sin. Uh, but the question today is just are all sins equal? But we could bring into this into the discussion right now, you know, how we're born into sin and, and the idea of original sin. And so we're born into sin. And so from the very moment uh, that you are born, uh, you are already sinful. You have already sinned, okay? And so from that moment of being born in the world as a little baby uh, who's just taken his or her first breath, uh, they've already fallen short of the glory of God. Um, now, there's there's a lot more discussion there about what happens to babies, and we don't have time for that today. If you have that question, you could always ask it, and maybe I'll cover it on a, a different day, okay? Uh, the next verse I want to show you is James 2.10, which says, For whoever keeps the whole law but falls but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. And so this is just as I said before. If you fail on even one point of the law, you have not fallen, followed the law. The goal, uh, the standard, when God gave the law, the standard has to be you have to follow the law 100% or you have disobeyed and broken my law. Okay, so even one at one point of breaking the law, you have broken the whole law. And so you have failed to uphold the entire law by breaking even just one law. You've become guilty of all of it. And so again, that goes back to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Okay, so that first point, all sins are equal in penalty. The next way that sins are equal are that they are equally forgivable. Let's look at 1 John 2, 2. It says, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, that word propitiation, uh, as I've said uh, previously when I preached and I used this word, or I came across this word in preaching, uh, we don't use this word at, almost at all, right? I, I think you probably don't know this word unless you've read the Bible. Another, I guess, stand-in word for that is like he is the appeasement or he is the atonement for our sins. Uh, Jesus is, is that which satisfies the penalty of our sins. Uh, Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God by dying for our sins, okay? And so he is the propitiation for all of our sins, and not just ours, but, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
And then in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so in Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins, and we become the righteousness of God because Jesus became sin in our place. He took upon himself every one of our sins, every one of your sins, and he satisfied the wrath of God. And so in Jesus, all sins are equally forgivable because Jesus paid it all for all of us. And so those are the two ways in which sin are equal. So if you ask, are sins equal in penalty? Yes, they are. Are sins equally forgivable? Yes, they are. Okay, but that's that's basically where the equality of sin uh, stops, okay? So let me give you some examples here in the Bible where sins are shown not to be equal. The first example I want to give you is Judas's sin of betrayal and how it is greater than Pilate's sin. Let's read this together. I'm just going to give one verse. If you want to go back and read the entire conversation here that Jesus is having with Pilate, you can do that. Uh, but it's in John 19:11. John 19:11. Okay. It says Jesus answered him, you have you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. So here is an example from Jesus himself uh, where he is saying there is a difference here. There is some aspect of what Judas has done compared to what Pilate is doing uh, that is a greater sin. And there's a lot more we could say about Judas. Like, you know, we could do a whole, also a whole episode on Judas and talking about uh, all the complicated things about Judas and how he is the, I, I think, uh, I forgot the, the old phrase for Judas. I think it's son of perdition. It's another word that we don't really use uh, very often. But just in short here, the sin of Judas's betrayal, going back to the point here, is greater than Pilate's sin. And so Pilate has sinned. He uh, is complicit. He is guilty of handing Jesus over. He had the authority and the ability to keep Jesus from crucifixion, to appease the people. Uh, he went through with it. Like he gave them what they wanted. And you know, although he says, like, I wash my hands of this, it doesn't work that way. You can't have the authority and then kind of hand your authority over to the people and then wash your hands of it. It doesn't work that way. Um, so Pilate did sin by handing Jesus over, but Judas's sin of betrayal uh, against Jesus is the greater of the two sins. Okay. The next area that I want to uh, show you here is it comes from Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 6 through 16. So it's a lot of a lot of verses here, uh, but let's go ahead and read that. It says, And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? Basically, uh, this is uh, a vision that uh, Ezekiel is being given from God regarding the sinfulness of Israel. Okay, and so that's kind of the short explanation here. So he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary, but you will see still greater abominations. And he brought me to the entrance of the court 
And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall, and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. So I went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all of the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood seventy men of the elders uh, of the elders of the house of Israel with I can't read that name right now because it's way too tiny, the son of Shaphah standing among them, each had his censer in his hand, and the smoke of cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, The Lord does not see us, the Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, You will see still greater abominations that they commit. Then they brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. And final verse here, if you're still with me. And he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord, and behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about twenty-five men with their backs to the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun toward the east. So if you got nothing else there, you see a progression of abomination and sinfulness and wickedness with each uh, separate location uh, that God takes Ezekiel to. And finally, ending here with these uh, 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord, just literally they've turned their back on God, and their faces towards the east, they're worshiping the sun towards the east. And so they are worshiping a false god. They've turned their back on the Lord completely. Uh, that is the end of this progression of worse and worse sin in Israel. All right, let's continue on here. So that's, an, that's another way where we see, uh, we can see demonstrated there is an inequality when it comes to sin. All right, the next way or the next example I can give you here, is those who rejected Jesus at his first coming sinned greater. Okay, I'm just going to give you one verse here. It comes from Matthew 11:21. This is Jesus speaking. Yeah, if you, again, you can go back and read these. These are different woes. Um, not the woes that some of you guys know, but, uh, but the old woe, which is uh, another kind of way of saying, like, oh, I, can't, I just lost the word. The word just totally vanished from my mind. But I'm going to put it in the, this is the Pastor Paul translation. Like, it's, it was, it's terrible to be you because of this. Okay? So that's kind of like what woe means. It's like, anyway. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been gone in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So, uh, oh, I think actually I wanted to show one more verse. So let me get that up here. Give me just one second. All right, so here it is. And it says now in verse 22 of the same passage, But I tell you, I'll, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Now what we see here at least, if someone wants to maintain um, that this, that there is no difference in sin, sin is sin, 
and, and they want to maintain that with this passage specifically, I think the only way they can do that is just to say, well, uh, for whatever reason, judgment, the judgment is different, but their sin is equal. And uh, to me, that doesn't make any sense if that's the argument you make. To say the sin is exactly the same, because it doesn't matter what, what it is that they've done. The sin is the same, but the judgment is different. That's hard. It's harder to defend, in my opinion, um, instead of just saying, well, look at verse 21. Chorazin and Bethsaida, they saw the mighty works that Jesus did, but they rejected They rejected it. They didn't believe. While uh, Tyre and Sidon, if they had seen those things, they would have repented a long, long time ago. And so the, the Gentiles, uh, if they had seen this, they would have repented versus the, these Jewish uh, people having seen it and still rejected Jesus. That is the greater sin. Okay, so those who rejected Jesus at his first coming uh, sin greater than those, I couldn't put this all in there, but sin greater than those who didn't get to see Jesus perform those miracles and could have had the opportunity to believe. Okay. All right, so there's some things I want to say now before I get to my couple final points here. All right. One of the things I want to say is that uh, sin, when we tend to have this question, for people who do have the question or people who struggle with this uh, topic of sin and whether or not it's equal or, or unequal, what I see are people who either on, one, on the one hand, they want to justify certain sins in their life. On the other hand, they want to justify sins in someone else's life. Right? I see both of those. I'm going to show you a passage in just a second, though, that does have a list of sins where Paul is listing out certain sins. Uh, and I, I do believe he's listing them out, not necessarily for this purpose, but in a way where it shows some of these sins that he's listing here are some of the greater sins compared to uh, other sins, right? And so just for a very crude example, if I steal this pen, okay, from church, this is our church pen. If I steal this pen versus I, I steal money from the church, right? Which one is the greater sin? And I think that's, it's pretty obvious, right? Again, we go back to the idea, like, if you're having trouble with this concept, my sin of stealing the pen versus stealing money from the church uh, is equal in penalty. Uh, because of both of those sins, I would, be, I would be guilty, right? And I would stand guilty before God, and I would deserve whatever happens to me. And then when I accept the free gift of God, uh, of salvation and grace, both of those sins are equally forgiven right? But obviously, stealing a pen from church versus stealing money uh, from church are two completely different things. And the stealing of money would have different consequences for the church. Maybe that money was supposed to go to missions. And I mean, I'm just making this a very simple and crude example. I, it wouldn't probably work this way, but let's just say it was that way. Like, let's say I stole $100 from church, and we were planning to send $100 to a certain missionary. And now that because I stole that $100, that missionary doesn't get that money. And now because they don't get that money, they can't put food on their table for that month. And so they have to, instead of uh, focusing on the, the mission 
and the, the work of God, they have to go and work a odd job for that month. So my my one decision to steal the money from church has now cascaded and had this domino effect and has now affected the church. It's affected a missionary and his or, or her family. It's affected those believers in that country uh, to now now where that missionary can't focus on the mission for that month because I stole money. Okay. Now again, or not again. I did not steal any money from church, okay? I just use that as an example, and maybe that was probably not the best example for for me as a pastor to use, because now you guys have this example in your head, like, was Pastor Paul stealing money from the church? Um, yeah, you can watch me. Please do, okay? Uh, I'm not stealing any money from the church, nor uh, before God will I ever uh, steal money from the church, but I just wanted to use that as an example, okay? And so we have to think this through here when we're talking about or if we're, we're going to maintain some kind of position that all sin is equal, all right? And so let me let me give two more points to you, and I hope this will help sum this up for why this is important to understand and what this all means, all right? Okay, so certain sins are worse than others and are a greater offense to God. And where do I get this idea? All right, so 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, I have to I have to do my very best in a short amount of time to explain this passage to you uh, because there is probably going to be many questions you would have about such a passage, okay? The first question you'll probably have is, who are the unrighteous, right? I want you just to have the simplest definition, and I would say the unrighteous in this case are unbelievers, unrepentant people. So these are not Christians who are struggling with whichever sin is on this list. This is not a Christian who's struggling with sexual immorality and by struggling, I mean, I even want to clarify that language, uh, a Christian who is committing sexual immorality or a Christian who is committing idolatry or committing adultery or committing homosexuality or, I was going to say thievery, that's kind of a word, but theft or is greedy or is a drunk and so on, okay? That's not what this list is. This list is about non-Christians. But Paul does give us a list here. And I believe it's not just like he's picking, I'm just picking randomly out of the air here. Uh, he's, he is picking sins that I believe he is seeing as some of the greater sins that are plaguing the people around him at this time, especially here in, in, in Corinth. And even certain sins that people in this church are getting mixed up in. Uh, one of the cases here when it comes to sexual immorality it's a very uncomfortable thing to read about. But in the Corinthian church, there was a case, essentially incest. We had, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but there was a son sleeping with his stepmother. I want to I wanna say that's correct. If, if I'm incorrect, I'm going to change that or I'll edit that out for the podcast. Um, yeah, so it, it's back in 1 Corinthians 5. One, I won't have it up there. But it's back in 1 Corinthians 5, so just the chapter, what is it? Chapter prior to this, okay? 
It says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. And so I, I do believe as Paul is listing sexual immorality here, he has that in mind. He has this certain case uh, where this is being permitted um, and tolerated for whatever reason. Uh, and then he goes on to list these other things. And so in this list too, and I'm going to be talking about this on Sunday, this is nor men who practice homosexuality. I'm just going to say a quick couple things so that I don't have time to, uh, to do that right here, but I will talk more about this on Sunday. Uh, when it comes to the sin of homosexuality, the reason why it's one of the greater sins and not the greatest sin, so don't get me wrong here, uh, the greatest sin is there's, there's really only one uh, unforgivable sin because, as I said, all sins are equal except one. One sin is, is not equal and one sin is unforgivable. That is uh, the way that I interpret it. It's the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of rejecting God completely, all right? The ultimate rejection of God. Not just like at one time I didn't believe and now I do. So what does that mean? Ultimate unbelief and ultimate rejection of God, okay? Uh, but going back to this idea of homosexuality and why it's in this list as some of the greatest sins, I believe it is one of the greater sins when you really think through it, just the way that I did with the pen, uh, the pen example and the money you think about what does homosexuality do? Well, it's not just a sin against yourself, right? It's not just a sin uh, offense to God, uh, which all sin is an offense to God. You've invited certain people to sin along with you. This is often a lifestyle. So it's not just one time, like a, a one moment of sin. It's a everyday consistent lifestyle of sin. It's not a, a one time I stole a pen. It is a, it's an everyday. I'm living in a, a lifestyle. I'm living in such a way. I'm making consistent decisions every single day. And each one of those are sinful. Uh, and that's, that's really why it's, it's considered one of the greater sins. It's a, these sexual sins, all of the sexual sins are essentially like that. The sins of the sexual sin of adultery, uh, the sexual sin of other immor immorality, like the case of this man sleeping with his father's wife okay so i hope i hope that makes sense let me give you but my final point i'm going to be reading from galatians 6 4 through 5 for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load now what paul is saying here in essence if I could just put it, this is the Pastor Paul version, okay? So uh, worry about your own stuff when it comes to, you know, how sinful am I versus how, sin how sinful is he or she? Like worry about what you're doing. Worry about what God has called you to do. And then your, your reason to boast will be in yourself. And you now when he says that, that's, that's obviously contradictory to other things that Paul says or, or what Jesus says about boasting in yourself. Uh, he just means that it will come from, your, your reason for boasting will, will not be because I'm better than someone else. It's going to come from, well, because God is doing a work in me and he's changing me, he's transforming me every single day, and that's what I can boast in, right? Uh, versus, well, that guy over there is sinning way more than I am, and so therefore I'm the, I am not as sinful as he or she. That is not the way to go here. That is 
that is not a Christian uh, etiquette. That is not the, the Christ-like manner that we have to embody, okay? And so what does that mean? What it means is that although sins are not equal in consequence and uh, offense to God, though they are not equal, that does not really mean much for your life. It doesn't mean that you compare uh, sins from person to person and whoever is the greater uh, sinner, well, now that I'm better than that person or that person doesn't deserve a seat at the table uh, and so on. Where inequality of sin does matter, let's just say a Christian does start to commit idolatry. Again, this is a very crude example. If it's one time, hopefully they can repent and come back to the Lord and turn away from their idolatrous ways and that they would never commit adultery or idolatry again. But let's say over months and then over years, they're still committing adultery, idolatry. I would say at, at that point, well, maybe even before that point of years, uh, the Bible gives us clear instructions to not fellowship with such Christians or ones who call themselves Christians but are now very consistently committing these same sins over and over and over. Now they have a lifestyle of sin that they're a part of. And so those are the, the Christians, or church people, uh, rather, that we're called to break fellowship with, and in some cases even cast them out of the church. Why? Because as a church, we have to say we don't condone that. We don't condone someone being here who's going to consistently live a life of sin. Now, what is the point in which, at which we do that? I think we, there, we have guidelines for that in the church, uh, church leadership and pastors. And as a church, we can come together to, to determine that. I think it's, there's never going to be, well, after 65 days of sinning like this, you have now been kicked out of the church. I think it's, it's, uh, there's probably a general rule of thumb uh, out there. But I think for the most part, these things are case by case. We have to look at, at the gravity of the sin and how, how great the sin is again. So I hope that makes sense. I hope this answers some questions that you might have about, about this topic, whether or not sins are equal. You probably heard uh, that sins are equal. And again, if, if it's about penalty, like we were all sin is deserving of eternal punishment and separation from God, that's a yes. Yes, it is. Uh, if it is all sins are equally forgivable, yes, they are. But beyond those two things, we see really all throughout Scripture how sin is not equal. It's not equal in consequence. It's not equal in how offensive it is to God. Like God will consistently show his anger against certain kinds of sin throughout the Bible. It's a tricky topic, but I hope I did my best and I was clear enough uh, to give you a good enough answer to work off of. It's a, it's a tricky topic, and I think we, we get it wrong, and I understand why we get this question wrong, um, because of the penalty part and the forgiveness part. Like We don't want to get that part wrong, and we shouldn't get that wrong. But just because those two things are true doesn't mean we kind of gloss over all of these examples where it's shown uh, sin is greater in some cases.